0: Amen. that's right we are once again in the issue of the intro to apologetics okay and if you'd like to go ahead and turn there you are more than welcome to Bobby and that would be page 18 in your workbook we're gonna do a little recap as usual and we've already seen this issue of evolution okay we saw the issue that everything has a beginning chapter 1 which implies a beginner ie God okay chapter 2 we saw everything has a design ie designer which had to come from God because it's more complex we'll see it again tonight When it comes to the DNA molecule, okay, had to come from God. Much more complex than anything that mankind can come up with. And then, of course, but everybody throws out the old dagger, so to speak. Well, what about evolution? I mean, haven't you gone to school? Didn't you go to the university? Haven't you listened to those guys with those neato, nifty hairdos? Uh, Surely they know what they're talking about. Their IQs are off the chart. I mean, listen to the TV, the media. I mean, what about evolution? Yeah, well, what about it? As we saw which one are you talking about first of all there's six different kinds and only one of them is true and it's a miss uh, unfortunate labeling just because it says microevolution which is nothing more than species variation big dogs little dogs white dogs black dogs uh that doesn't mean it proves evolution and that's what they do it's a lie it's a bait and switch they take the only thing that we do see in existence species variation says well see then everything else is true no it's not it is completely bankrupt is what we've been seeing there. And then we saw, of course, so far in our study that uh, the not only problem with that, which evolution are you talking about? They don't even agree amongst themselves and it doesn't work. Uh, number two, they cannot explain where the universe came from. Uh, they cannot explain how non-living things turn into uh, living cells, okay? How many of you guys were out in the backyard last week and all of a sudden, bleh, out of the dirt came this thing and you had a conversation with it? Now, if that really happened to you, are you serious? That's a sign. You're in Las Vegas. There's a great sun, but you're in the sun too long, Mickey. Get out. Get inside. Get refreshed. Take a cold shower. Get the brain cold. Down. Right, John? It's it's you're hallucinating? Radiation. radiation. That's right. That's that's cool. We'll get into that a little bit tonight. Maybe that's a positive mutation. I don't think so. But uh, no, dirt doesn't just all of a sudden become something that's uh, an It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Okay? But that's what they believe. Then we saw last time the fossil evidence doesn't support... Uh, Darwinian evolution okay where's the where's the millions and billions of transitions from the uh, bat to the rat there's none there's zero zippo okay and yet that's the crux of it and we find none of that stuff and then they they see in the the fossil record what does it show well it shows that uh, uh, what they believe in is not true uh, because it's all mixed up there is no place that the geological column exists on the earth except for in the textbooks with nifty cartoons and there's humans remains uh, mixed up all uh inside of it folks it's not consistent it's make-believe okay so we're going to see lord willing in our next study when it comes to the dating issue they date the fossils by the rocks but the rocks by the fossils it's circular reasoning it's ridiculous we'll get into that in great detail later but it's a bunch of baloney, okay? Then we saw the Cambrian explosion. Uh, What they do find in the fossil record is all of a sudden, hey, look, everything's just fully formed right there. (gasps) Well, yeah, that's because that's the way God did it, okay? They can't seem to explain it, but that's the biblical account. And then, of course, we left off with the issue Darwin's theory of evolution cannot explain irreducible complexity in molecules. In other words, uh, all this complexity we saw 10 weeks in design, that doesn't happen by chance. Okay, if you can't put the Rubik's Cube together one time blindfolded You're not going to put it together blindfolded 2150 times in a row blindfolded That's the odds of that ever happening by chance. It's ridiculous. It's it's nuts now Let's continue on Darwin's theory can't explain the highly complex information in DNA is your blank there DNA, that's right hooked on acronyms DNA is your blank there information in DNA. All right? But before we get there, let's open your Bibles to Psalm 139. This is going to be kind of like the theme verse as we finish out Lord Willingness chapter. Psalm 139. For those of you hooked on phonics, how would you pronounce that once again? psalm. That's right. Psalm 139. That's right. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 14. Let's take a look at the context there. And it's kind of the theme as I was working through this going, hmm, this sounds like this psalm here as we take a look here. Psalm 139 when you get there say moo moo all right here it is I says oh Lord you have searched me and you know me and you know when I sit and you know when I rise is aren't you guys glad that God knows everything isn't a comforting truth not just God's existence but having this personal relationship with him it's awesome and this is what he's talking about this is comforting okay and you don't get this if you believe in evolution right listen okay you you know when I sit and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with only some of my ways and the rest of them you're hoping to get an email from the angels to find out. No, (laughs) all my ways, praise God. Okay, before a word, listen to this, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your your hand upon me and such knowledge is too wonderful me, too lofty for me to attain. I, I can't even contain this. What a comfort to know, God, that you're that intimately involved in every single nook and cranny. Oh, oh, by the way, you don't get that if you believe in evolution, right? You wonder why the world's so depressed and down in the tubes, okay? He continues on. He says, in fact, not only that, you're omnipresent. Where, Where can I go from your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If i say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me even the darkness will not be dark to you the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you for you god created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb i came from you not a cosmic blob i praise you god because i am what fearfully and wonderfully made and your works are wonderful i know that what full well okay When you take a look at what God is doing in creation, wait till I share what I'm about to share on this DNA issue. My goodness, it's amazing, wonderfully made, mind-blowing made that that this had to come from God. And the good thing that you can find out when you know that there is a God and that you can have a relationship with him through Jesus, all the rest of the stuff kicks in. He's with you wherever you go. He's omnipresent. He doesn't leave you hanging high and dry. He's got a great plan through everything. It's awesome, okay? It's not just a battle of worldviews, does God exist? Okay, the point is you can have a relationship with them here and now and he puts all this evidence before us and Evolution undermines that tries to blind the minds of the people uh, from seeing that. Okay, but let's take a look there He says this life does not consist of matter just matter chemicals, but also information Underline that because this is the rub. This is the issue life does not consist just of matter or chemicals, but also information A theory of life not only has to explain, then, the origin of matter, where the dirt come from, but also the origin of information. Information is different than matter. For example, if all the copies of Shakespeare's plays were destroyed, nothing would be permanently lost because the actors who had memorized the roles could easily recreate the text. And and me personally, this is what's a major comfort in the years of uh, uh, teaching here at Sunrise. I know that if I were to die today, and somebody were to destroy all the multitude of copies of my sermons, that you guys have got all my memorized and studies uh, studies memorized all my sermons, so that you could just recite them and they'll all come back. Yeah, whatever, preacher's dream. But let's move on. In living systems, <laughs> in living systems, the guidance that is needed to assemble everything comes from what? DNA. Okay. Every cell of every plant and animal has to have a DNA molecule. Scientists say that a single strain, this is just a single strain of DNA, holds enough information to fill a 6,000-volume encyclopedia. How many of you guys say this a lot? 6,000, not pages, 6,000-volume encyclopedia. Okay, 6,000-volume of encyclopedia. Now, listen, here's the whole issue. It's not just words. It's not just random words. Just somebody's going like this on the typewriter. Whew. Okay, there's one volume. Okay, right. Oh, how many got more to go, Joey? Whatever okay is that how you guys type by the way yeah whatever anyway so uh, what no this is intelligent information this is information it's not just there's nothing random it's information so it's, it's information on a massive scale information just a single strand six thousand volumes right that's just a single strand. there is in fact no entity in the known universe that stores and processes more information more efficiently than the DNA molecule okay And again, this is the whole point, information. You have to explain not only where did matter come from, where did the information come from? It's intelligent information, okay? There's nothing random about it at all. What good if you had a, would it do you, if you did have a 6,000 volume set encyclopedia, but it was completely nonsense, what good would that do? Okay, it wouldn't, okay? But that's what evolution would have you and I believe. It is absolutely mind-blowing. So let me get into this DNA issue, and this information... It's mind blowing check this out. He says this, he says, let's say a college biochemistry textbook is equivalent to the amount of information in a single-celled organism. According to the evolutionary theory, we have to copy this textbook over and over, occasionally introducing a few errors, okay, such as deleting, inserting, or duplicating random letters, words, a paragraph, okay? What would that do to the textbook? Here you have a perfectly good textbook, it makes sense, it's full of good information, but according to evolution for all this to happen it was a completely random event. You have to have mutations, you got to have you have to take things away, you got to add things, but it's all random. It's not nothing's intelligent. There's no purpose, whatever. There's no design according to them. It's just so you start randomly, start taking stuff out of that uh, chemistry textbook or, and or at random you start throwing extra letters, extra things that are completely nonsensical and you keep it up and you keep adding that and taking away from the textbook what's going to happen to the textbook, the information in that textbook. Nonsense, it destroy it, right? And that's what he says there. He says this would absolutely degrade it and lead to its ultimate de- demise. And yet, that is what evolutionists rely on in order for evolutionists to proceed, right? It's ridiculous. He said, here's the catch, though. Even if there was occasionally uh, a random error that somehow seemed to improve a small piece of information, let's say you had the word uh, cat in there, in that textbook, and you just happened to randomly, uh, a letter popped out, and it was S, and it just happened to land at the very end, so you had cats. (gasps) Oh, well, there, this works. This process is wonderful. He says, no, he says, even if you could somehow improve a small piece of information, there's actually a lot more damage being done at the same time by the same change when it comes to the DNA. He says, consider this example, okay? And he gives this phrase, okay? And it, he says this, he says, uh, was it a rat I saw? Was it a rat I saw? Okay, and so that's the question. He says, so consider that phrase in okay? What's interesting about this phrase is that it reads the same thing forward as it does backwards by letter right so you go was it a rat i saw right so here's a phrase that reads the same thing forwards and backwards you can see there he says now here's what something we've discovered about this uh dna much of the dna can be read forwards but it can also be read backwards interesting and it gets even more complex than that he says, uh, but there's an additional distinct message when it's read in reverse, right? So it's a completely different message, but it's completely intelligent, makes sense. Try doing that. This is the exact same thing going forwards and backwards, and you had to get pretty creative to pull that off. Oh, by the way, it took intelligence to do that. Really? Really? John, give her a high five, a hug, do something, man. That was really awesome, that was Awesome. I thought I was being really cool on Sunday when I was thinking of this big, giant one. Mom. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's move on. I feel excited tonight. Uh, but anyway, so he says this, okay? It's forward and it's backwards, but the ones even going backwards is a completely different message. It's not even the same one, okay? Listen to this. He said, and it's not just the same information repeated, it's an additional set of instructions. Forwards and backwards. Amazing. And he says, and we're not talking about a short phrase such as in that example. We're talking entire chapters within our DNA. Forwards is one set of instructions. Backwards is another set of instructions. That's an amazing intelligence, right? So here's the issue. Even if you could somehow manage to somehow introduce a random error that slightly improved the message going from left to right, okay, you would be messing up the other one going from right to left. You can't tamper with it, right? The moment you try to introduce anything into it, randomly, you mess it up. Not only most likely forward, but you're gonna mess it up backwards. You can't tamper with it. It gets even more complex. In addition to this challenge, there's a whole slew of other factors that make the typical evolutionary scenario implausible. Imagine the following two phrases overlapping. I like chocolate and later that evening. Since the first phrase ends in late and the second phrase starts with those letters, They would overlap as follows. I like chocolater that evening. Okay. Now, when you join together this way, uh, the two sensible phrases become nonsensible. What's a chocolater? Okay. However, if the reader knew that this strange phrase actually contained two separate messages and knew where to start and stop when deciphering each one, then they could properly extract the original information, right? If you knew how to decode it, right? Now, imagine making a random change to that nonsensical uh, phrase, right? Uh, I like chocolate or that evening, okay? And you're hoping to improve the information. If you make the change somewhere in the overlapping section, even if you accidentally did manage to somehow make a slight improvement in one of the phrases, it is virtually certain that it will be messing up the second message, right? He says, now, why am I sharing this overlapping thing? He says, listen, because scientists have discovered that the messages in our DNA also overlap. They don't just have a set of instructions going this way and a whole new set of instructions going this way. Phenomenal. But they overlap. Okay? And this is what he says. He says they overlap. And we're not simply talking about an overlap of a few letters. It's more like entire chapters. And he says, are you starting to get a feel for how much of a challenge genetics poses to the story of evolution? And I like what he said this. He says, at this point, I got a confession to make. He said, my faith is not strong enough to believe that that all happened by accident. Uh, It takes uh, faith to believe in evolution, a lot of faith, almost an infinite amount of faith when you look at the evidence. Absolutely. But you're not supposed to have faith in school, so how do they get along with that? That's interesting, but you're not supposed to know that, Tom. Now he goes into a couple illustrations, this 24. He says, now suppose you're in a cave and you believe that you were the first person ever to be in this part of the cave. Uh, As you were trudging through the cave, you discovered ancient pictographs painted all over the wall. Would you still believe that you were the first human in the cave? No, because there's information in there, intelligent information. Somebody had to produce that intelligent information, right? He goes on to another one. When archeologists discovered the Rosetta Stone, they didn't think its inscriptions were the product of random chance or self-organizational processes, right? <gasps> hey, look at this, what wind and rain and rocks and, and mud and sticks just happened to me was etching out this information. That would be ridiculous to think that, right? And that's what he says. He said, obviously, the sequential arrangements of the symbols was conveying information. And it was a reasonable assumption that s- intelligence created it, i.e., somebody with intelligence created this intelligent information on the Rosetta Stone, which helped crack the codes with the different uh, information uh, languages. Now, he says, so whenever we see written information, even in the DNA, because that's what it is, and man is that complex, he says, we assume that there's intelligence behind it, right? I didn't have my chance. It's crazy. It's ludicrous. Okay. Every experience we have about information, whether it's a computer code, a hieroglyphic inscription, a book or a cave painting points towards intelligence. The same is true about the information inside every cell and every living creature. The logical conclusion is, hey, somebody had to do this. This isn't just matter. It's not just a cell. It's a cell containing information. Do you see the difference now? We've dealt with the issue of matter, where'd matter come from and the odds of that happening and it ain't ever going to happen, but it's not just matter, it's there's intelligent information contained in everything, even down to the DNA level. There's no explanation for that. It can't happen randomly, it can't happen by chance, is what he's saying. That which is encoded in the DNA is purely and simply written information. Who wrote the information-rich DNA code? Hey, correct, all right, there you go, buddy, consolation prize. You get a piece of gum, Get up for Joey, you got the right answer. Yeah, what a guy. I tell you what, he's incredible tonight. But anyway, that's right. God, hello. Okay, why? Because what did we just read in our psalm? What's the theme? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, man, when I look at what you did, God, wow, you created, you created me with this DNA, and I'm going this way, they overlap, and there's all this stuff, and it's like, wow, wow. And if you got a plan for that, and you've got intelligence going forwards and backwards, and even though I think my life sometimes is going forwards and backwards, you've got an intelligent plan through it all. You know, I'm with you wherever you go. You're with me, and it's awesome. Wow. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Continue on. He says this, consider the difficulty of generating just two lines of Shakespeare's play, Hamlet, by randomly dropping Scrabble letters on a tabletop. How long do you think it would take just to generate two lines? You couldn't. That's just two lines. Okay. He says, then consider that the specific genetic instructions required to build a protein in even the simplest one, celled organism, would fill hundreds of pages of printed text. We couldn't randomly even do two sentences off of Shakespeare's Hamlet. What in the world makes you think that we're going to do hundred, hundreds of pages just throwing letters on the floor? It's ridiculous, and they know it. If nature is so clever, he says, it can exploit mechanisms that what? Amaze us. In other words, we can't do it with their ingenuity. Is it not a persuasive? Is it not that persuasive evidence for the existence of intelligent design behind the physical universe? If the world's finest minds can unravel only with difficulty the deeper workings of nature, how could it be supposed that those workings are merely a mindless accident, a product of blind chance? Yeah, how could you do that? Okay. If physics is a product of what? Design. Who came up with physics? Some guy, eventually, right? You know, my theory is, you know, he must have got mad at his parents and he wanted to get back at the rest of the world. So he went back in his room and started to develop it. Yeah, for all those of you who like math, you didn't like that joke. But anyway, <laughs> What? Yeah, you know. Anyway, so, but somebody had to come up with that, right? All right, so that's his point that he says there. He says, if physics is a product of design, the universe, which is all over the place with design, must have a purpose, and the evidence of modern physics suggests strongly to me that the purpose includes us. Can I translate that for you? Wow, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that amazing? Wow, it's almost like the Bible knows what it is. God's talking about. Uh, Stephen Meyer, he explains the importance of this information issue. He said the issue uh, has caused all naturalistic accounts of the origin of life to break down. Okay, Because it's the critical and foundational question. If you can't explain not just where matter came from, and they can't, we've already seen that, but if you can't explain where the information came from, how in the world did the DNA get intelligent information going forwards and backwards at the same time and overlaps and whole chapters and... What? If you can't explain that, you haven't explained life because it's the information that makes the molecules into something that actually functions, right? How many glad, how many you guys glad that your molecules right now are actually functioning intelligently and aren't just going like this inside of you? Because if they were, you know what you'd be doing? You'd be doing the same thing, right? <laughs> and that would be weird. Let's move on. Uh, Lee Strobel, he sums it up this way. He says, alright, so what do we make of the fact that DNA stores far more information in a, listen, smaller space than the most advanced supercomputer on the planet? Oh by the way, who would come up with that? Who, who designed that? Who made that advanced supercomputer on the planet? Uh, somebody. It used intelligence. Somebody, right? Okay, so this is much more complex, much smaller, Okay. He says, what else can generate information but intelligence? What else can account for the rapid appearance of a staggering variety of fully formed complex creatures that have absolutely no transitional intermediates in the fossil record? The conclusion was compelling. An intelligent entity has quite literally spelled out his evidence, evidence of his existence through the four chemical letters in the genetic code. It's almost listened as if the creator autographed every cell. It's almost like God was trying to get a message to us, even if we never came across Psalm 139. Hey, guess what? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you can have a relationship with me through my son, Jesus Christ. How about that? Right? And again, Romans chapter 1, we've seen this several times. It starts off the wrath of God being revealed against heaven, from under heaven, right? Why? Because what's the context? You guys knew that there was a God, but you deliberately suppressed the evidence. God has all this. I mean, come on. This one thing, as soon as we found out and discovered this on DNA, should have put an end to this baloney. God has given us so much evidence as we saw from the telescope to the microscope, the DNA, it just keeps stacking up. And as fast as we put it out there, evolutionists try to spin it away, lock it away, hide it away, or won't even let you get it out. You don't think that God's a little upset about that? It's called storing up his wrath. Okay, let's look at the top of page 25. Darwin's theory can, uh, uh, can explain why we uh, do not routinely observe beneficial mutation. It's your next one. Mutation in living creatures. Now, you see mutations, but the key issue here is beneficial. And that's one of the cruxes of evolution. It has to uh, be something positive. Genetic mutation does not introduce um, new levels of complexity. And it cannot be shown that it is a step in the right direction. Most observed mutations are what? Harmful, Harmful all right? For instance, if you guys on the way here, you got struck by lightning, would you come in here and go, "Wow, I've evolved. I feel awesome," right? <laughs> Probably we'd be praying for you later here in a few minutes at the prayer request time, and announcing which hospital you're in if you're still alive. Okay, uh, but again, what? A lightning bolt hits the primordial ooze, pow supposed to do something beneficial don't think so okay and there is no experimental evidence to show that a new animal uh, organism or even a novel structural feature has ever been produced from the raw material produced by a mutation nothing zero all right so go back to your thing when you got hit by a lightning bolt all of a sudden you turned into a catfish wasn't that awesome that's amazing how just something like a, a random event uh, 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 with a lightning bolt and it mutated the cells in your body and you turned into a catfish isn't that awesome no but that's what they believe Paul, uh, uh, Pierre Paul Grass of the French Academy of Sciences says no matter how numerous they may be mutations do not produce any kind of evolution then why do you still have in textbooks today as proof for evolution I'm going to give you some examples a little bit and then Lord willing a couple studies down the road we're going to kick this one really hard uh, this is a bunch of baloney. This is one of those mechanisms that they say, oh, we know evolution happened because of mutations. Yep. No, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything beneficial. It hurts, it destroys, it harms. It does not improve an organism, let alone turn it into a whole new kind of organism. It's crazy. Geneticist John F. McDonald. he called this a great Darwinian paradox, the kind of mutations that macroevolution needs. Now, that's this one right here, Macro. That's going from a different kind into another different kind. It's not species variation, microevolution. That's the only thing that we see. You can see a dog getting bigger or smaller, different colors. No problem with that. The Bible talks about that. But we don't see Joey turning into a catfish. And how many guys would say praise God? That would kind of scare you again tonight. Right? You know what I'm saying? Although you're, you're starting to get a little whiskers going there. Maybe it's a slow process. You've got to get struck by lightning. It's much, many more, whatever. So you don't see, this is macroevolution, okay? That's what they say. Mutations are going to make you into another kind. You're going to start off as a catfish, but it's going to turn you eventually uh, through a bunch of mutations into a whale and then back into a corn plant. And then maybe you're going to decide one day to get out of the water altogether and become a bear. Hey, wait till we get to that. I kid you not. Evolutions don't even agree on that, okay? Some would say that the the whale uh, or dolphin that uh, actually uh, decided to come out on lamb and that's where we have uh, the bear. And then evolution at the same time will say, no, it was the other way around. Bears decide to go back in the water, and that's what produced the whales and the dolphins. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I'm not making it up. We'll get to that eventually, Lord willing, okay? But let's continue on. He says this, they, that they do not produce the kind of mutations that macroevolution needs, namely large-scale beneficial ones. They don't occur. While the kind, it doesn't need large-scale mutation, mutation with harmful effects or small-scale mutations with limited impact, in other words, they don't do anything, those do occur, okay? Uh, Even that so is infrequently though, okay? It doesn't produce what you say it does. And that's one of your big mechanisms as, oh, we know this is how evolution takes place. Let me give you a couple examples, okay, about mutations. Let's take a look at this. Let's apply random accidents, because that's what a mutation is supposed to be. This is just some random accident that happened to some creature and somehow that's gonna make the creature better, evolve into something better. Let's apply that logic. All right? For instance, if I poked a stick into somebody's bike spokes that, as they were riding by, okay, would that make their bike ride more beneficial no. and enjoyable? What would happen to them? Road pizza, right? Is what would happen? Okay. Now, oh, here's one. Uh, if if, uh, if you, no, uh, oh, I got this one. John, you invited me over to the Super Bowl this year. Okay, the Lions made it to the Super Bowl. Hey, I'm here. Hey. Man of faith, right? Now, now you're perking up, right? You invite me over. They finally make it to the Super Bowl, right? They get over there. I, I come to your house, right? I finally show up. They're just getting ready, okay? And it's the fourth quarter, right? And uh, the, the game's tied, but they're like at the 20-yard line. All they got to do is kick the field goal, right? Just as they're about ready to kick it, and the, the time's going to run out as soon as they kick it, uh, I decide to randomly, I decide to instantly rewire the inside of your TV set. Uh, would I be the hit of the Super Bowl party? No, what would John do to me? He'd be hitting me, right? right? You don't randomly decide to start road. road pizza. Okay, that's right. Okay, that's not going to help the TV if you randomly do that. Okay, let me give you another one, and we'll move on. Uh, how about uh, how many of you, when you got into an, a random car accident, unexpected, just happened, you discovered that afterwards, hey, the car works better than before. This is awesome. Back it up, do it again. Hey, if I do this uh, for a million years, it'll turn into a Ferrari. No. Random chance events that cause damage, mutations, doesn't help stuff. It harms, it destroys. And yet they want us to believe that's how evolution takes place. It's ridiculous. Again, the only proof they have is in the textbooks, and what they have in the textbooks are lies. Let me give you two other serious examples Chernobyl, okay? And again, they would say, well, maybe it's radiation, or maybe it's something like this, but the, the things that will cause genuine. Uh, mutations. Well, let's take a look at Chernobyl. Uh, Surely after Chernobyl, this should have been an evolutionary paradise, right? Because that is going to produce and has produced a massive amount of mutations and everything. People, animals. Well, let's take a look at that. Chernobyl caused 800,000 children to seek uh, instant medical treatment. The price of the cleanup and the value of lost farmland and production was 358 billion dollars. Each passing year brings more and more birth defects among farm animals, colts with eight limbs, Animals with deformed lower jaws, disjointed spinal columns, no eyes, deformed skulls, and distorted mouths still burst and infant deaths among the animals. That's just the animals. What about the people? There's been a dramatic rise in thyroid disease, anemia, cancer, an astounding drop in the immunity level of the entire population. And through it all, listen, that should have been your perfect example, through it all, no new species have come into existence. Wow, yeah. Only the same ones that have always been there, but guess what? Now they're damaged and they're dying or they're dead. That mutation didn't help one thing, right? Let me give you another one, the atomic bomb. Okay, when it was dropped on Hiroshima, right? You're adding a lot of energy. You're going to create some serious mutation with that. So surely that should have been after all these years, you know, 1945, we, we should have plenty of evidence, right? By now that some new species arrived on the planet. No, no. Okay, the Hiroshima bomb set up a blast with the force of 13,000 tons of TNT, destroyed more than four and a half square miles of the city with over 92,000 persons dead or missing. And uh, what of the living who had radiation poured all over their bodies? Did they benefit from it? No, they were worse off than the dead. They struggled with radiation-damaged bodies through the remainder of their shortened lives, and not one of them, listen, not one of them evolved into a different species or a new super race. Yeah. Therefore, since mutations don't help an organism, but damage it, mutilate it, or kill the organism, there's no way you could say mutations cause evolution to take place from one kind to the next kind. It's ridiculous, okay? One guy, this, C.H. Waddington, in Science Today, he said, this is really, listen to this, this is really the theory that, quote, strikes me as a lunatic sort of logic, and I think we should be able to do better. Yeah? How about read the Bible? <laughs> right? You do a whole lot better. And listen to this. I like what this guy. He said this. Talk about mutations. He says, how ironic it is that the byproduct of the fall of man, sin, which is why we have suffering and disease, is now touted by the evolutionists as a good thing. Right? Isn't that what they're saying with mutations? That's good because that's what produces evolution. No, it doesn't. But here you take something that's a byproduct of the fall of man and now you're saying it's good. It's ridiculous how, how twisted it is. Conclusion. Let's take a look there. More and more biologists, biochemists, astronomers, geologists, paleontologists, geneticists, mathematicians, and other researchers, not just christian have raised serious objections to the Darwinian evolution theory in recent years. Quote, if Darwinists are to keep the creator out of the picture, they have to provide a naturalistic explanation for the origin of life. Listen, they haven't been able to do it. Then why do you still teach it? why is it on tv why is it in the universities well what do we see a multitude of times the bible told us the answer why because they're willingly ignorant they're turning away on purpose okay acting ignorant from the facts because they don't want there to be a god because they want to follow their ungodly desires that's why it's completely bankrupt but they're pushing it and again i people say well why do you always want to teach on evolution why is that such important why do we need?" because listen this is why our society's going down the tubes Do you understand the rise of wickedness is a sign we're in the last days? We know that from a Bible prophecy point of view. But do you understand why it's going down the tubes? Because ever since the introduction of evolution and ripping out the Judeo-Christian ethic that there is a God in whom you are going to be accountable to for your behavior, there is a heaven, there is a hell. Ever since then, everybody's been acting like it. You teach kids from wee high there is no God. You raise a generation who acts ungodly. And who doesn't respect life and think there is no reason for life and that they don't have to stand accountable to anybody in this life or the next for what they do. What you believe determines how you behave. This, the teaching of evolution actually molds into, with Bible prophecy, it's produced that rise of wickedness of a society that we see today. Okay? James, uh, Dr. James Tour, one of the world's leading uh, nanoscientists, he's a professor at Rice University, Department of Chemistry and Center for Nanoscale Science and Technology. He's earned a a doctorate in Organic Chemistry from Purdue University. He's done his postdoctoral work at Stanford University and the University of Wisconsin. He's written over 140 technical research articles. He holds more than 17 US patents. How many guys would say this guy's gonna whoop you any day of the week blindfolded playing chess? (laughs) Most likely. So anyway, he's got some credentials. Listen to what he says, okay? And again, remember when you and I bring up the Christian point of view, how often is it uh, 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 presented back to us this way? Oh, you foolish little people. You just don't have giant degrees like us and your IQ is just way down here. You little, you little kids, you, right? We smart, you dumb dumb, right? And that's why, that's why he brings us out. This guy, come on, give me a break. This guy's got some serious IQ. What's he say, right? You just have to have a low IQ to believe this? No, you're just dealing with the facts. He says there's only a rookie, Only a rookie who knows nothing about science would say that science takes away from faith. If you really study science, listen, it will bring you closer to what? God. Why? Because that's what God said it would do. When you look at the evidence of his existence through what he's made, the creation, you're going to come to... Somebody had to do this. There's no stinking way that somebody... We can't even do this ourselves in a computer, which are not random acts of uh, chance events. Somebody designed it. You can't design this code forwards one way. It means a message. Backward, it means a whole other message, and it overlaps and has another message in that. There's no sticking way. Okay? And that's what he says. He says, I stand in awe of God because of what he has done through his creation. You know what he just said? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wow. Psalm 139. Top of the next page as we close out. Uh, The world-renowned paleontologist, Colin Patterson, senior paleontologist at the British Museum of Natural History, the author of the book, Evolution, in 1981. This is how long ago that the cat was out of the bag, folks. In front of an entire audience of his evolutionary colleagues, at least he admitted it. Listen to what he said. He said, last year I had a sudden realization. For over 20 years, I had thought I was working on evolution in some way. One morning I woke up and something had happened in the night. And it struck me that I had been working on this stuff for 20 years and there was not one thing I knew about it. That's quite a shock to learn that one could be misled for so long. So for the last few weeks, I've shared putting a simple question to various people. Can you tell me anything you know about evolution? Any one thing that is true, he says, in their own camp, all I got was silence. The absence of answers seems to suggest that evolution, listen, does not convey knowledge, or if so, I haven't heard of it yet. He says, I think many people in this room would acknowledge that during the last few years, if you had thought about it at all, you have experienced a shift from evolution as knowledge to evolution as faith. It's going to lead you to the existence of God when you deal with the facts. He said, I know it's true of me, and I think that's true of a good many of you here. Evolution not only conveys what? No knowledge. Now, who's turning whose brain in at the door? This is in their own camp. He said it contains no knowledge. You just got to believe this. It ain't based on facts but somehow seems to convey anti-knowledge. In other words, if you're going to f- run with this, you have to be willingly ignorant. You have to make a choice. Hmm, I'm going to turn away from the evidence, and I'm just going to push this. That's from their own camp. We're going to close with this parable. I wanted to at least get this in there. Page 27, and we'll close. It's called God's Existence. This is kind of cool. Parable of the Mice. It says this, Once upon a time there was a family of mice, who had lived all their lives in a large piano. Every day in their piano world, they heard the beautiful music of the instrument, filling all the dark spaces with pleasant sound and harmony. And at first, the mice were impressed by it. They drew comfort and wonder from the thought that there was someone who had made the music, invisible to them, yet close to them. They loved to think of the great player whom they could not see. Well, one day, a daring young mouse named Charlie uh, climbed up uh, part of the piano and returned uh, very thoughtful. He had discovered how music was made. In fact, Charlie was a little disturbed by what he had discovered. Wires were the secret. Tightly stretched wires of graduated links which trembled and vibrated. He carefully and thoughtfully wrote a book about his discovery and called it the origin of music. At first, Charlie's theory was met with resistance, but eventually it became the predominant view of where music was coming from. The mice had to revise all their old and outdated beliefs. Uh, None but the most conservative mice could any longer believe in the mysterious unseen player. The really cool mice designed Charlie stickers and wore them with pride to show the rest of the mice that they were not narrow-minded. Later, other explorers continued uh, the explanation further. Hammers were now the secret. Numbers of hammers dancing and leaping on the wires. This was a more complicated theory, but it all went to show that they lived in a world purely mechanical and mathematical world. The unseen player came to be thought of as a myth, all the while the pianist continued to play silly mice silly evolutionists why do you persist just because you can explain how something works doesn't mean you explain where it came from we're masters at uh, oh here's how the heart works here's how the heart works and the different valves and the functions and how it does that you know here's the function of the liver and how it works in conjunction with the rest of the body and the pancreas and that's that side. here's lungs you got two of them we didn't even know how they work we can see how they work. We can see how it benefits with the brain and how it even works with the brain, how the brain sends out all the signals and intelligent information. We, we can describe it to a T now. We can even get down to the DNA level and we can could, we could describe it how it's made up and all the parts and things of that nature. We can even come out with the information going, hey, wow, it even contains information forwards and backwards. Just because you described it doesn't mean you explain where did the matter come from and where did the information come from because it couldn't happen by chance. Silly mice. Lord willing, next chapter, which is probably going to be a while because uh, we we're going to jump back out and deal with the issue of a, a young creation and also I want to take a look at these mechanisms of evolution. Do they really work? No, they don't. And it's not just mutations. They're the, the live embryology. Wait till you hear that one. That was proven wrong thirty years ago. Liars. I even went to court over, and they're still put it in textbooks today. Lie, 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 lie. And that's the tip of the iceberg. Natural selection, that whole nine yards. And so I want to kick that. But then Lord when we get back into this uh, study, we're going to take a look at the next chapter, and we're going to deal with the issue of basically relativism. Okay? And that is the belief that uh, you basically make up the laws uh, as you go. That there is no right and wrong. There are no absolutes, which as we saw before is ridiculous, because the moment you say there are no absolutes, what did you just make? Absolute Absolute statement. That's how ridiculous it is. But Lord willing, start at 15,322 after our other studies. We'll get into that. But let's close in prayer. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, Our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bkrone at or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.